Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Svarsson and today we're sitting in Berlin. It's mid-December, but listeners, you'll be listening to this in early January, so Happy New Year. Joining me today is Tobias Federico, Managing Director and owner of Energy Brainpool, a consultancy and analysis firm. Uh, welcome, Tobias. Thank you, Richard, and Happy New Year to all the listeners. What I would like to discuss with you, Tobias, mainly is, is uh, what's happening in Germany regarding to the climate law and the moves to exit from coal. I know we're in sort of mid-December now and things could change potentially within the next couple of weeks, but um, what's happening on, on the political level here in here in Berlin, Tobias. Maybe you can enlighten our listeners uh, about that. On the political level, the climate discussion or the climate package is something which um, is being discussed quite a lot, but not between the government, much more between the government and the opposition, mm. or between the political Berlin and the rest of, of the population. Because... Um, It seems to be that the government is very satisfied with all the packages they have decided. So the climate package, the minimum price for CO2, also for the non-ETS sectors, mm. in addition to um, the uh, coal exit plan, that on a long-term perspective, they are going to reduce CO2, and they focus on the target to uh, hit their 2030 CO2 emission target. Mm. But obviously in the general population, also in the opposition, they're not quite happy with that, especially looking into the younger generation. Friday for Futures, for example, is mm. also very active in Germany. They say that's too little and too late. Okay. So there's a massive opposition to or saying that it's not ambitious enough, uh, what, what the government has laid forward. Do you think that they would react to this? Well, it's, it's, it's quite difficult to say. Right now we do have the COP25 in Madrid. Mm. And uh, yesterday the Ministry for Environment, was she was speaking there and saying, well, we are very ambitious, so we are doing our work. Mm. They are very satisfied with what they have done up to now, but it looks like that's not enough. Mm. Um, I don't want to say that we have to exit coal earlier because we do have other issues, especially regarding capacities. Mm. But especially looking into the CO2 prices could mm. be quite interesting. Mm. Um, because the CO2 price level this year, so year 2019, mm. was so high that we have reduced CO2 emissions because gas power plants are in the money mm. with their clean spark spreads. And uh, they are running at much higher capacity than the hard coal power plants, which means we are going to reduce CO2 mm. just by a CO2 price of 25 euro in average. But is there talk of, I, I know there has been some discussion around cap and floor uh, for carbon. Do you think the likelihood of that or the calls will grow grow ever louder in, in Germany? Well, the, the calls from the opposition, the calls from, from the general population are getting louder but they're not getting to be heard by the government mm. because they have their own issues. It's half year, uh, so half term uh, for the government, uh, another two years. Um, mm. We do have from the government, which is the Great Coalition, so CDU, CSU and SPD. And uh, the SPD have a new um, top management. And it's, it's very unlikely that this government will be re-elected in, uh, in that situation. So we won't have a great coalition. Mm. And they will fight each other somehow could very well be that we will have new elections within one or two years. Okay, because the new leadership of the SPD, the Social Democrats, that's gone more to the left, has it not? What does that mean in terms of the coalition? I mean, can you see the coalition 
breaking down? Or I mean, if there, you, you, you mentioned that you could see new elections and that maybe the elections are already starting in a way because there are going to be several disagreements, strong disagreements. But could you see that leading to the dissolution of the of the government? Well, it's it's difficult to say. Somehow it looks like that they are all on a sailing boat and it's stormy weather, mm. but they're not sitting in a sailing boat anymore. The coalition, they are much more outside of the boat holding the handrail mm. <laughs> and hoping mm. that they're not going to fall off mm. and a new election will mean that they're going to fall off from mm. uh, the boat mm. uh, because uh, the uh, likelihood of uh, being re-elected is very little right now. I mean, if we go back to the climate law, one of the key elements that emerged in, in mid-December or early December was the fact that, that you know allowances allocated to coal plants would be cancelled in the event of these plants closing down. I mean, that's, that's quite a crucial element here, isn't it? That's sort of, uh, that's emerged in, in the detail here. Uh, absolutely. Uh, when we had the decision regarding uh, the um, coal exit, it was just a decision how it could be done, but not very specified in detail. And often details are really crucial to uh, price developments. Mm. And it was said, well, there is a certain cancellation of the capacities, uh, c cancellation of the allowance connected to the cap coal capacities. Mm. But how it's going to be done in detail is very crucial to the price development. Mm. Lately, they said, yeah, we are going to cancel them. But the detail is really interesting. How many CO2s are you going to be canceled? Are you really simulating how often the coal power plant will be running within mm. the next years? Maybe the power plant dispatching is a different one due to coal and gas prices. Mm. Uh, so coal power plants would run more due to lower coal prices and higher gas prices. Mm. So it's, it's quite unclear and very difficult to say, mm. but it only works when you're going to cancel the allowances mm. and if you're going to cancel the allowances. And of course, when it, in a way, it's quite a brave move from a finance ministry to say we'll cancel these because it could be a big earner especially if uh, you could earn them a lot of revenue in case you know they were they were auctioned or put out to market well the thing is it's uh, it's a uh, quantity times value yeah, yeah. Um, so if you cut the quantity but the value is going to increase with the co2 certificates mm. the earning for the government will be quite high mm. yeah mm. so it's it's interesting to see how this is going to develop but it needs further specification Absolutely. I mean, for those who are not so familiar with the details of the, the, the coal exit law, if you like, when will the first coal plants come off, off the grid? Well, it's not a law. It's just a recommendation okay. um, mm. right now. It's going to be a law. Mm. And the recommendation was that it's going to start in 2025 with the first coal power plants are going to be exit. And it's much more connected to the age of the coal power plants, but not of, to the type of the coal power plants. So it's lignite power plants, mm. and they are emitting much more CO2 than hard coal power plants, together with hard coal power plants. Mm. And the last coal power plant will exit in 2038. Mm -hmm. So it's a period of 13 years. The capacities will be quite high, mm. but you must always remember that we are also in a nuclear phase out. And the nuclear phase-out means that up to 
12,000 megawatt of nuclear power plants. 2,000 megawatts are already exited right now. Mm. So 10,000 megawatt will exit within the next two years mm. um, uh, until the end of 2022. If we return to the sort of lignite plants that could potentially come off first, I mean, this is this is five years away when they'll come off. I mean, this is a long time. I mean, uh, five years, f- continued massive amounts of emissions from these coal plants. But my question would be, what kind of compensation are, are the operators going to get? I mean, this must be a sticky point at the moment in negotiations between the operators and and the government. Absolutely. So um, this is something the uh, commission did not specify up to now, just saying there will be a certain compensation, but how certain and how high are they going to be and how are you going to calculate that? And um, five years is a long time in in a certain perspective, especially looking into the CO2 emissions. Uh, We always must remember that Germany is the biggest CO2 emitter within Europe. Mm. This is quite high, mostly due to the lignite power plants. Um, But five years is also a short period uh, when you look into capacity compensation, Mm. meaning that uh, we do need additional capacities to compensate just the electricity uh, production from uh, the lignite power plants. But looking into the financial compensation, how do you evaluate that? So mm-hmm. what's what's the loss? Is it uh, is it the missed earning, the missed money uh, until the death of a power plant? But what's the death of a power plant? Is it 42 years running time? Is it 60 years running time? Mm-hmm. What is with different uh, other compensations? Uh, mm-hmm. How are the fuel costs developing? So there are is, is a bunch of questions. And the only number which has been given by the commission was um, that we have a financial compensation uh, in the region of 40 billion euros mm-hmm. uh, but that's just for the region and not for the owner of the power plants right so we will have additional costs and the second question is not only how high are they going to be how are they financed so mm. there will definitely be an additional surplus on the consumer electricity prices for the financial compensation of the power plant owners. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of work here for, for lawyers. Uh, uh, in yeah, the for lawyers and consultants <laughs> like exactly, me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, Tobias. So, um, but you highlighted the nuclear exit and the combination that you have that with the, with the, the start of of coal plants coming offline. What does that do to the capacity in Germany at the same time you have nuclear in France with Flammerville not not coming online? What does that do to the capacity in the region and potentially to prices? One thing is clear that prices are going to be uh, to to go up Mm. somehow. The problem is that when we look into planable capacities, um, I'm not speaking about the fluctuating energy. Mm. We are going out of uh, nuclear power plants. We are going out of coal and lignite power plants in 2025. And there are not so many new power plants coming onto the system, at least planable power plants. From the planable capacity, uh, we will have a situation where we right now have an overcapacity mm. going to an undercapacity, mm. which is necessarily not really meaning that we're going to have a blackout because mm. we still have the fluctuating renewable and we still have the other European countries hopefully mm. exporting their electricity to Germany. Mm. But there are certain situations where it's, it, it could become quite critical in the cold winter nights, mm. if it's also cold in France and in Germany, then we will have certain underproductions. Mm. And this is something where it, it definitely needs to be specified uh, in what time, which type of power plants are going out and what additional incentives new power plant uh, owners will have to, to build really new power plants. And that's, that's missing. Um, 
And looking into the planable capacities, it's missing, but definitely also in the renewable mm. capacity, because the incentive for new investments into wind and uh, PV panels is, is really little. When you say planable, you mean thermal Co- conventional technology, th- thermal thermal plants. Absolutely, yeah. that's an interesting point. Without having, you know, there are very few new coal or, or certainly not coal but gas fire plants that are being built at the moment and you have to provide the incentives for people to do that can you see someone building uh, an operator building a, a gas fire plant in germany without capacity mechanism in place or some some way of, of guaranteeing a revenue for, for for that capacity we could have certain trigger points there and one necessary trigger points to have an incentive could be a higher co2 price like a minimum co2 price as it was or is still in the uk mm. system because a higher co2 price means that uh, the conventional power plants emitting less co2 mm. have a, a much higher financial incentive than others so uh, this could be incentive i'm not really a big fan of capacity mechanisms Mm. that's a bit complicated um, because you don't know what what the deviations of the whole market will be then later on but uh, for me the trigger point and the game changer is uh, the co2 price and that would be a domestic one or as part of the the wider ets or both (laughs) i mean the uk one exists and then you have the ets one on top of that Uh, well it's um the ETS is great because it's European, but it has the big disadvantage that you have a, to have a European consensus looking into CO2 emissions, and especially Poland is there very opposing the ETS system. Mm. So in the case we really want to stick to our emission reduction targets, then we have to have a national solution as it was or is in the UK system. Mm. Yeah, so we have a minimum price plus the ETS market. And how about the growth of wind? I see that's really slowed down in Germany. You know, so these plants are coming offline, but wind's not really replacing them. What, what's going on here? The problem is that uh, the payment mechanisms are a bit complicated. We are looking into certain alternatives like PPAs, for example, the power purchase agreements. But here we have the issue that the CO2 price still is too low. So mm. the electricity prices as we see them today are not enough for refinancing wind power plants, even when they have the cannibalization effect. Mm. But a much higher CO2 price would trigger people into investments of wind power plants in the situation when we will have um, power purchase agreements as a standard also for new power plants. Mm. But the government is not doing a lot there. So we need for the CO2 reduction targets in 2030 an average, I think, of 2000 megawatt wind onshore i'm not sure about that number mm, mm, mm. but currently we are at 500 okay yeah so, so and that's really per, little. Per, annum. Per, annum. per annum when you say cannibalization effect what do you mean there well the thing is that um, usually wind power plants are producing at the same time when the wind is blowing mm. and uh, this happens almost all over germany yeah and we do have the effect that uh, the spot market price in that situation due to a high production of wind mm. um, are quite low mm. um, so when you look into the yearly average prices let's say 45 euro for 2021 a wind power plant only could earn let's say 80% out of that due mm. to the cannibalization because in the moment when they are producing electricity prices are lower. Yeah, absolutely. When we go on air, when we go out, we will it'll be early January 2020. What are your expectations for, for 2020, Tobias, in terms of the market developments, maybe the political landscape? Well, I think we will come into a situation where we really have to ask us the questions, are we doing enough? 
for the CO2 reductions and um, have we been waiting too long? Yes, mm. obviously we have that. And what are the right mechanisms? Mm. And um, I think the climate discussion is not over yet. It seems to be over on the political level, but on the on the general population not. So I think that um, the the opposition against the uh, current situations will increase. Mm. And um, maybe we are going to see some uh, changes in the climate packages, mm. um, especially when we will have regional elections and they are involved into the law decision-making mm. process mm. in Germany. Mm. Um, so it will be a quite exciting year, especially looking into the CO2 prices, mm. but it will also be a proof year because 2020 has 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 been a focus here to reduce CO2 and we saw and we see that we are not going to make it. Exactly. So that there could be a kind of grassroots kind of movement adding adding press, pressure, you think, on, on, on people here and policymakers in Berlin. Definitely. I think the Friday for Futures movement in the beginning was, well, these are only students not uh, wanting to go to school on Fridays, mm -hmm. um, moving into, into a, a general movement and... Um, I see at least also from my generation, most of them are really accepting what they are saying and they say, yeah, it's true. In the last 30 years, we haven't really done a lot. Mm. We have been talking quite a lot, but the real decisions, the instruments are there. And mm. that's interesting. So we have the right instruments like the ETS, but we haven't really done a lot. Looks like it's going to be quite an exciting and uh, topsy-turvy year uh, here in Germany. I look really forward to inviting you back and having to discuss this or discussing this further on the podcast, Sobia. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, listeners. And uh, we, we're signing off from Berlin. So so happy, happy new year. Please remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Goodbye. <laughs>